here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you would, please, let's just jump right into the message this morning since we've got a couple kids in the, in the room. And let's do our Bible decrees. We start off our service this morning. Are you thankful for the Word of God? Amen. Amen. And if you have your Bible... And if you forgot it at home, remember it next week. If you got it on your iPhone, your iPad, your whatever you've got, your Androids, please lift those as well. Let's just proclaim it this morning. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Bam, bam, good to see you. You've been in my thoughts and prayers. We're sorry for your loss. God bless you, brother. This morning we're going to be talking about an issue that keeps arising in conversation with me. That is something that I think many of us are faced with today in America. Probably more today than any other time in history. And that is, what is going on? What is this chaos about? But before I move forward, I just want to quote a scripture that says that our Messiah has come. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. He was given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And we find in Scripture that the Messiah came wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and then it started. King Herod went out. He he put a census out. They were searching for the Messiah. King Herod was such a proud yet selfish individual. And it was all about his agenda. And he wanted to take the life of baby Jesus. So they sought and they looked and and they searched for him. And what we're going to find today is that there was so much that was taking place in the life of people during this, what was supposed to be a great joyous occasion, people were losing their children and became a time where it was dark and lonely and people had to start turning their hearts towards home, towards heaven, towards God. What a difficult time it was. And I wonder how many people... We turn off to the gospel by arguing about religious concepts rather than sharing the truth of Jesus Christ's love and mercy to save us from the wrath we deserve. I wonder how many of you got ready for church without so much a thought of why you were coming or who you were coming to worship. Today in Mark chapter 2 verses 18 through chapter 3 verse 6 highlights the difference between religion and a relationship, and three encounters. Jesus had with a group of Pharisees. There's all this difference in the world because of religion and relationships. And we're faced with it today. What I'm finding out, listen, church, because of the COVID, people have fallen away from the church. Church doors are closed. Fellowships are broken. Community is disintegrating. It's deteriorating. And we've got to claim the words of the scripture that in all these things we've been made more than conquerors through him who loved us. And we can do all things through Christ that gives us the strength. And in the midst of a pandemic, in our weakness, he will make you strong. I promise you. Seriously. If you claim the words that are in the scripture and most of the songs that we sing, you'll find are from the Psalms. 
that he becomes majesty. It says, worship his majesty unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise. And it says in there that he is the healer, that he is the way maker, he's the miracle worker, he's light in the darkness, he's our promise keeper. Church, our Savior, the Messiah, baby Jesus, who's now is doing his ministry, just a little dude, right? Christmas was just here, and we, we're trying to do this little timeline. But we realize that here he is, and he's starting to do his work. And that's what I want to highlight today, because people are asking me questions like this. Pastor, what is happening to people? What's happening to the church? What is going on? We've got people over here that are very religious. And we've got people over here that have a relationship with Jesus Christ who put their faith and trust in Him. And people, as, as I was telling Joanne in the King James Version, we're not talking about the Twix candy bar, but it says they're betwixt between the two. They're all messed up. They don't know where to go. Do we follow what the law has to say? Or do we lean over here to what grace offers, who Jesus is? He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but through Him, who is Emmanuel, God with us. That is Jesus Christ, who is our comforter, who brings peace, that we can put our faith and trust in Him. And this morning I will have three points. I won't make the message long. I'll break it down by a couple minutes for you. And by the way, I just want to, to, can we just give a round of applause for our sound audio team, our ministry team, Pastor Luke, Allie, and, and Sam. Thank you so much. You know, this pastor couldn't do a lot of what he does without the coolest DJ in town, with that cool jacket that you have on, brother. I knew you, he was debating on if he should wear it today. We can't do ministry and people can't sense who Christ is and worship the way we do without having faithful people. And I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that we are together as family. But here will be three, there will be three points this morning. Now think about this. Religion creates confinement, but Jesus brings celebration. And I'll touch on these again. Religion creates burdens. Jesus brings blessings. And then number three, religion produces oppression Jesus prizes and rewards others. Interesting, huh? But before we proceed, I would like to shine some light on your position in Christ. One of the greatest controversial issues of all times, religion or relationships. Which one is it? I like what Joshua 24:15 says. It says, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will... We will serve the Lord. What a great promise. Joshua's reminders that no man or people serves God solely in his own strength, for God demands the total commitment to him. We can't do this without him. He knew who was in control of his life. But the time comes when you have to decide who or what will control you. Who or what will control you? And the choice is yours. Will it be God? Your own limited personality? Or another imperfect substitute? Once you have chosen to be controlled by God's Spirit, you need to reaffirm your choice every day. Every day surrendering that right, surrendering your will to Jesus Christ. 
Is it an image, maybe a religion by which motivates you, or is it your life in Christ? Paul the servant wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul knew that serving God was great, and yet death is a graduation to something better. It is a promotion to the heavenly place and presence of Christ and perfect fellowship with him. So if you would please turn with me to to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 will be our reading this morning. We won't read it right now, but this brings me to the place by which I need to build a platform for today's message. And I would like to show all of you the differences between what we are going to read this morning and understand the depth of what the Word has to say. You see, we're dealing with a couple people here. We have the Herodians, we have the Pharisees, we have Gentiles, we have the Jews we're dealing with. But the Pharisees in Jesus' time, the most influential Jewish sect, they were very zealous about their somewhat arbitrary rules and for the spirit of the Old Testament, for a personal relationship to God. It was about the law. It was never about grace. Subservience to a man-made code of ethics worked to a spiritually deadly result. And the Pharisees appear to have been discrediting Jesus. They focused largely on Jewish law and traditions. So behind everything that Jesus was trying to do, even in his young life, the Pharisees... And Sadducees were always behind him trying to do what? I call them the journalists of today. They're always writing their own narrative, right? They're always trying to catch him doing something. Even, where is, you know, Mary Joseph, we're looking for baby Jesus. They're like, where's he at? He was in the temple teaching all those priests about who his father was. Just a little dude. And people... We're always back there. Better yet, back in the day, I think it was more they were doing this. <laughs> Hammering out what, what was going on, right? So we see two different types. And I'm going to get into it this morning, but I kind of wanted to just give you an idea of who they were. So we had the Pharisees, and then we had the Herodians. They were a Jewish political party of King Herod's supporters. And they saw Jesus as a threat to their political future. Always trying to trap Jesus with questions. And and they even plotted to kill him. Many of the Pharisees were so caught up in their man-made laws and traditions that they lost sight of what was good and right. So this morning, please remember this day. That we must not get so wrapped up in our religious practices or our religion that we forget whom we are worshiping. In Mark, we go from Jesus eating with sinners at Matthew's house to religious leaders asking and questioning Jesus about fasting. And then we end with the disciples picking grain on the Sabbath. Yeah, it's a little different, but I think it was important for me to actually highlight. So no matter what age you are, no matter what part of life you come from, whatever your culture was, whatever hurt, habit, or hang up, no matter where you've been on your journey just lately. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, can I encourage you to find peace and hope in Him? You see, for He is the wonderful Counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. 
He's the Prince of Peace. And we worship him. And so, as we move forward into 2021, where's your faith? Where's your trust? How have you made him a part of your daily life, your daily walk? Who is he to you? I had pastors call me, which I call them my friends. And we've talked about this issue of what is happening What is going on? People have lost sight of who they are and and they've lost sight of faith. They've lost sight of hope. They've lost sight of peace. People have forgotten who Jesus is. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus is our Messiah. And it was proven. He came and He died for us. I want you to watch closely. The difference between religion And the difference between relationship, what is it? What is it to you? How does it look in your life? Let's have a word of prayer, and I want you to listen closely. Father, we just thank you this morning for just your grace and your mercy. Father, we thank you that, Lord, as we come into this room in this sanctuary, Lord, we can feel your presence. Lord, motivate us, speak to us this morning. Let your word come to life, let it become three-dimensional, not just print on a page, but yet make it applicable to each and every one of us. So God, we thank you for your word. Bless your message today. Hide me behind the cross. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. What if I told you Jesus came to abolish religion? What if I told you voting Republican really wasn't his mission? What if I told you Republican doesn't automatically mean Christian, and just because you call some people blind doesn't automatically give you vision? I mean, if religion is so great, why has it started so many wars? Why does it build huge churches but fails to feed the poor? Tell single moms God doesn't love them if they've ever had a divorce, but in the Old Testament, God actually calls religious people whores. Religion might preach grace, but another thing they practice, tend to ridicule God's people, they did it to John the Baptist. They can't fix their problems, and so they just mask it, not realizing religion's like spraying perfume on a casket. See, the problem with religion is it never gets to the core. It's just behavior modification, like a long list of chores. Like, let's dress up the outside, make it look nice and neat. But it's funny, that's what they used to do to mummies while the corpse rots underneath. Now I ain't judging, I'm just saying, quit putting on a fake look. Because there's a problem if people only know that you're a Christian by your Facebook. I mean, in every other aspect of life, you know that logic's unworthy. It's like saying you play for the Lakers just because you bought a jersey. See, this was me too, but no one seemed to be on to me. Acting like a church kid while addicted to pornography. See, on Sunday I'd go to church, but Saturday getting faded, acting if I was simply created to just have sex and get wasted. See, I spent my whole life building this facade of neatness, but now that I know Jesus, I boast in my weakness. Because if grace is water, then the church should be an ocean. It's not a museum for good people, it's a hospital for the broken. Which means I don't have to hide my failure, I don't have to hide my sin. Because it doesn't depend on me, it depends on Him. See, because when I was God's enemy, and certainly not a fan, He looked down and said, I want that man. 
which is why Jesus hated religion and for it he called them fools. Don't you see so much better than just following some rules? Now let me clarify. I love the church, I love the Bible, and yes, I believe in sin. But if Jesus came to your church, would they actually let him in? See, remember he was called a glutton and a drunkard by religious men. But the Son of God never supports self-righteousness, not now, not then. Now back to the point, one thing is vital to mention. How Jesus and religion are on opposite spectrums. See, one's the work of God, but one's a man-made invention. See, one is the cure, but the other's the infection. See, because religion says do. Jesus says done. Religion says slave. Jesus says son. Religion puts you in bondage, while Jesus sets you free. Religion makes you blind, but Jesus makes you see. And that's why religion and Jesus are two different clans. Religion is man searching for God. Christianity is God searching for man. Which is why salvation is freely mine, and forgiveness is my own. Not based on my merits, but Jesus' obedience alone. Because he took the crown of thorns and the blood dripped down his face. He took what we all deserve. I guess that's why you call it grace. And while being murdered, he yelled, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Because when he was dangling on that cross, he was thinking of you. And he absorbed all your sin, and he buried it in the tomb, which is why I'm kneeling at the cross saying, come on, there's room. So for religion, no, I hate it. In fact, I literally resent it. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, I believe he meant it. Makes you think, doesn't it? So if you have your Bibles, let's read out of Mark chapter 2, verse 18. Mark chapter 2, verse 18. And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast, and they came and said unto him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, and why do the disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But in verse 20, but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. No man also sews a piece of new cloth in an old garment, else the new piece that it's filled up takes away from the old and is torn in two, or is made worse. And no man puts new wine into old bottles or new wineskins, else the new wine does burst the bottles. The wine is spilled and the bottles will be married, but the new wine must be put into the bottles. And now we go into verse 23 where it talks about the purpose of the Sabbath day. And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful why are they sowing on the sabbath day and he said unto them have you never read what david did when he had need and was hungry he and they that were with him how he went into the house of god in the days of abiathar the high priest and did eat the showbread which is not lawful to eat but only for the priests he gave also to them which were with him and he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. One of my favorite verses all the time. I love verse 27. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And then we go into chapter 3 where Jesus starts to heal on the Sabbath. And he entered again into the synagogue and there was a man there which had a withered hand. 
And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he said unto the man, which had the withered hand, stand forth, arise to your feet. And he said unto them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill it? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he said unto the men, stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. It was made whole as the other. And we'll conclude with verse 6. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Point number one. Religion creates confinement while Jesus brings celebration. And we saw in verses 18 through 22 that several times in the scripture we see that Pharisees coming to Jesus to try to help and try to trip him up in something he would do or something he would say. The immediate issue was fasting. In other words, while the Pharisees were fasting, Jesus was feasting and that was too much for them. The group of self-righteous religious leaders questioned Jesus to trap him. And I love what Jesus said here in chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. He answered them directly and brilliantly. He called attention to a wedding to the most joyous occasion known to humanity. Jewish weddings were a festive occasion filled with laughter and joy. Central to the celebration was the nonstop feasting. It would be unthinkable to think the context to create an environment of drudgery or yet sorrow. Jesus reminds us that he has come not to make us miserable, but to do what? But to give us abundant life. Knowing that Jesus Christ does not bring drudgery, but celebration, not sorrow, but joy. As Jesus continued his discussion with the Pharisees, he turned from the illustration to two other analogies which get to the root of the problem which I read there in verses 21 through 22. The Pharisees were, in effect, old wineskins. They could not handle the new life in Christ that was offered to them. Now, let me explain this, and I'll break it down for you. So a wineskin was a good skin sewed together at the edges to form a watertight bag. The new wine, as it aged, stretched the wineskin. New wine could not be put into a wineskin that had been stretched it would do something called breaking and bursting. The Pharisees had become rigid like old wineskins. They could not accept faith in Jesus that would not be contained or limited by man-made ideas and roles. So church, is your heart like a wineskin? Our hearts can become rigid and prevent you from accepting the new life that Christ offers. Keep your heart pliable to accepting the life-changing truth of Christ. So what are you saying here? Well, the Pharisees were always being critical. How many of you have ever had somebody in your life that's just critical? Why? So, so the question to me is, why do we allow toxicity into our relationships? It's amazing to me. You know, we come to church... And we all walk up to the altar, we kneel and we pray, and we say, God, i got to leave it here. But all of a sudden, we start to notice that I get up from here, 
And I know in my mouth and my heart really meant what I said, but I go back and it's still on my back. That burden is still so heavy. And the pressures from people are so heavy. But I believe that Jesus came wrapped in swaddling clothes so that we could celebrate the life in Christ. For the first time, for the very first time in the 30 years that I've been pastoring, I know some of you are shocked that I'm actually of that age now. Embrace it, my wife says. But in the 30 years, I have never seen the church where it is today. My wife and I were talking about it. How many of you have shower talks? Do you have shower talks? Well, we do. I'm in the shower. She's blow drying her hair. She's doing all that kind of stuff. And she's yelling at me. I'm yelling back at her. Like, what did you say? The water's hitting me. I call those shower talks. And we were talking about the very thing that's hit the nation, our world, today. My wife's over there going, he did not just do that. (laughs) Well, you act like you're the only ones that have bathroom talks. Well, we have bathroom talks. There's like deep conversation. So I'm just telling you that as we were talking about the burdens of ministry, we're also talking and celebrating the goodness of Christ. So as we were sharing in our conversation this morning, it hit me. How sad is it that people are losing their way? Oh, pastor, why do you even have to go there? Because I believe this is what's happening. I believe we've practiced religion, but we've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm here to encourage the church to fall deeper in love with Jesus. See, I know that in my life, he is the prince of peace. And I don't want to be confined by the laws of man. I've had people just criticize the way that we worship. I need more hymns. I need more of this. We need less of that. Let's just do this. Let's not worry about what you need. Let's worry about what we're worshiping and who we're worshiping. We, we put so much pressure on a lot of, well, this is what we used to do. Well, that's great, but you used to cruise around on a mule. You don't have a mule right now. You're cruising around in a brand new car. So let's celebrate God's goodness. We know a brand new car. Here at Spatula City, you can get one spatula for the price of two for just a penny. I did that just for my son-in-law because that's what he does all the time to me. Where'd you get it? Spatula City. So I just threw that in there. But here's what we realized. That was me going down a rabbit trail. That was just your free advertisement today for Spatula City. Anyhow, all of you just need to Google it. Okay? Just Google Spatula City. So anyhow, religion creates confinement. Jesus brings celebration. Don't get so hung up in man-made rules, but celebrate the peace and wonder of God. Isn't that awesome? Our God is faithful to us. Point number two, religion creates burdens, but Jesus brings blessings. 
Religion creates burdens. Jesus brings blessings. The Pharisees not only made regulations concerning fasting, they also had carefully prescribed how one must act on the Sabbath. They had a list of do's and don'ts that had to be followed religiously. The fact that the disciples were harvesting the grain before eating it was too much for them. On an ordinary day, this was freely permitted. However, the Pharisees had added rule upon rule upon rule about the Sabbath and expected Jesus to immediately rebuke his disciples. So Jesus answered them using their own weapon. He cited the story that you guys, that we read here in, in, verses, in verse 25 about David. And which the story is also found in 1 Samuel 21, 1 through 6. David was fleeing for his life when he came to the tabernacle of Nob. He needed food, and there was none there except the consecrated bread, or what the Bible says is called the showbread, which could only be eaten by a priest. Yet in his time of need, David took and ate that bread. Jesus showed that the Old Testament scriptures themselves supplied precedent in which human need was a greater priority than religious ritual. So here's what he said. The Sabbath was made for man, not man made for the Sabbath. God created the Sabbath not to make us miserable, but to make our lives better. God created the Sabbath for what? For our benefit, not his own. God derives no benefit from having us rest on the Sabbath, but we are restored both physically and spiritually when we take him to rest and focus on God. For the Pharisees, Sabbath laws had become more important than the Sabbath rest. So enjoy the blessings God has for you and don't be bothered or burdened with guidelines that we lose focus of Christ. Jesus brings us blessings instead of religion brings us burdens. There's so much expectation, isn't there? Just think about it. Don't let the world skew that in your mind. Listen, I was called to preach when I was 15 years old. 15 years old. So my whole life has been, been sold out for Jesus. I've raised my daughters. And I have son-in-laws. And I have grandbabies. And as I'm, as I'm learning to instill those same great principles that I did into my own children, I will do into my grandchildren. But I want them to see the blessings of what God is doing how many of you would say, with a raised hand, you feel that you are blessed? Amen. Amen. That we're blessed. Now think about this. The burdens of this pandemic have caused so much anxiety and so much fear that we've lost a sense of who we are. Mask off, mask on. Mask off, mask on. Mask up. Mask down. Credit card out. Put it in the slot. Credit card comes in. We grab it. Oh, hold on a minute. I, I was, I did it yesterday. I did the unpardonable sin. Yep, I did. <laughs> you should be never my son. No, just kidding. You go to McDonald's. Anyhow, so I went to McDonald's. I did it. I broke last night. And I had a Big Mac. Minus the pickle with the extra sauce. I did it. I had to. 
I just had to. And then that, I, instead of getting the medium fry, I did get small fry. It was so delicious. But you see, I fasted from McDonald's just because it's not good for you. It's really kind of like what I said. Religion creates burdens. McDonald's creates burdens. Not blessings, if you know what I mean. Anyhow, um, <laughs> so Jesus brings blessings. But as I was there, this arm came out. <laughs> Sir, could you please put your credit card inside that little slot? I'm like, wow. I'm like, what is happening right now? And then I stopped, and, and here's what I realized last night. God, thank you for my freedom. I think I took it for granted. I took for granted being able to come together as a family. And I'm just going to say something, and I don't always do this, but I'm speaking to somebody that might be even listening from their home today. Let go of your unrighteousness. Let go of your sin that you're participating in and find freedom and blessings and serving a Savior that brings healing, power, and peace when you let go of your self-centeredness. We have excuses now. But they said stay home, but they said step out, but they said stay home, but I should come up with a song. (laughs) Like, follow the yellow brick road. Just stay home. I think, I think we live in a life where we're adding negative pressure. And what I'm saying to you is I'm not, I'm not discrediting what is happening. I'm telling everybody to stay safe. And I always say that, but I'm also speaking the truth too. Do you have to believe everything man has to say? The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians were always about the law. Don't do this, and if you do, you're a rebel. No, just live righteously before Christ, and you'll start walking in victory. This is my last point. Religion produces oppression. Watch this. Jesus prizes others. Religion produces oppression. Jesus prizes and rewards others. In verse 2, it tells us that the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. The Pharisees sat in the front rows of the synagogue so they could be seen by all. Why is that so important? Jesus knew they were watching him. They were not there to worship God, but to watch Jesus and try to do what? Trip him up. The oppressive regulations set up by the Pharisees could not accept Jesus' healing of this man's withered hand on the Sabbath. To them, healing was work. And work on the Sabbath was unacceptable, regardless of how necessary or beneficial it might be. The Pharisees had set up elaborate regulations concerning medical practices. For example, medical attention could only be given if a life was in danger. A fracture could not be attended to until the next day. Even a cut finger could be bandaged with a plain bandage, but not with any ointment. The Pharisees' tradition had become stifling. These traditions were elevated above human need, even above the word of God. And the ironic thing was that in religiously keeping that tradition, they were actually keeping themselves and others from doing what God wanted them to do. Sound familiar? 
they became insensitive to human needs. What's happened? What's happened? Do you understand that because people have put so much pressure, these boards of churches and and these people have put so much oppression because of religious duty and responsibility that now they they can't see the prize and the reward by living a life full, full of faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understandings, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will. Don't lean on yourself Don't trust in in your own self and your own will. Trust in God. God is ready to do something great in your life. There is reward. There's prizes. Man, I am living proof. I was a kid who couldn't say his R's. Now I can say, R, Mikey. I would say things like Tracy instead of Tracy. And who would ever think that I would be standing up here Today, see, you would never take me serious if I couldn't say my R's. But God brought reward into my life. He knew what I was called to do. And listen, church, listen. Does God know you? Does he know your heart? Does he know where you're at? Will you run and celebrate in that? Will you say, you know, I have forsaken you. I have forgotten who you are. I have left you. And now I'm going into 2021, and I'm going to remember you. I'm going to do things differently. And church, stop listening to what other people are telling you. Get into the Word. Don't lose your faith and trust in God. Lose your faith and trust in mankind. Because just much like the Herodians and the Pharisees, we need the Word as our compass and as our guide. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide his words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Wow. Have we taken the greatest gift of all and forgotten it? Because all our mind and our anxiety can do is make us think about what's going on outside these walls. We've lost a sense of who we are. Love people. And understand that we have freedom in the living Christ, the Redeemer, the Messiah, Jesus. So as I conclude, while Jesus was drawing fire from the religious leaders, he was gaining great popularity among the people. Some were curious. Some sought healing. Some wanted evidence to use against him and others wanted to know if Jesus truly was the Messiah. Most of them could only dimly guess at the real meaning of what was happening to them. Today, crowds still follow Jesus. But here's what's interesting. And they come for the same variety of reasons. What is your primary reason for following Jesus? What is your primary reason for following Jesus? Let me say this, and then we'll close out the service. Many of you know the name, and it's a popular 
name on TV, Josh McDowell. He's a well-known Christian apologist. And most people do not know this about him, that he was a former agnostic. His two-volume apologetic work, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, has sold hundreds of thousands of copies. In an appendix in Volume 1, Josh McDowell shares his testimony of his pilgrimage and agnosticism to Christianity. While he was a university student, he went and sat down at a table in the student union with six other students and two faculty members. See, Josh had noticed that this group had met regularly at this table, and he was intrigued by something he saw in their lives. He sat down and began visiting with the female student next to him. And he asked a popular question. He said this, Tell me. What changed your lives? Why are your lives so different from the other students and professors? Why? Josh said that woman looked him right in the eye and said two words he never thought he would ever hear as part of the solution to any problem, especially at a university. She looked at him and said with all sincerity, Jesus Christ. McDowell said he responded, Ah, don't give me that garbage. I'm fed up with religion. I'm fed up with the church. I'm fed up with the Bible. Don't give me that garbage about religion. She shot back at him, Mister, I didn't say religion. I said Jesus Christ. So McDowell summarized the remainder of their discussion that day. She pointed out something I'd never known before. Christianity is not a religion. Religion is humans trying to work their way to God through good works. But Christianity is God coming to man and woman through Jesus Christ, offering a relationship with himself. Do we see following Christ as a burden or a blessing? Is our life attractive to others? Can we say, Yes, I, I trust, I know, and I believe in a Savior that came wrapped in swaddling clothes who went and died for mankind, who gives us hope and who gives us life. That's our Savior. That's Jesus. That's who holds all of us together. So church, that's what holds all of us together in this room, is a Savior that is our keeper. Isn't that amazing? I, I need to come up with a message called the innkeeper because the Lord has been speaking to me about that maybe next year for Christmas. But he's there for us. Have you forgotten your relationship with Christ? Or have you just said, eh, it's church is church, it's religion. Or did you come here today saying, God, I want more of you. I need more of you. God, I, I come before you today and I, I let go of, of everything that I, I, I've been dealing with. And Lord, today, let me just leave this service different than I walked in. Loving you more. Having a deeper relationship with you. For those that, that are in this room and that are even listening, all I want to say is, would you just let go and let God have a part in your life? A 
Let's rise to our feet as the praise team comes. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you that this morning we can cry out to you. And Lord, we realize that you came to give of your life, of yourself to mankind. You said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Even Paul said in Romans, as he was speaking, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe today there's somebody in this room, Father, that needs you. They need saved. They need a part of of you. They need a relationship with you. Not coming just because it's their responsibility. But Lord, I feel your love today. I feel your love from your people that came. We're all here and we're worshiping you and we're loving you. Lord, we just thank you for it. So thank you for this time of reflection. This moment where we look into our hearts and our own lives. Find out who we are. God, confess those sins in our life before you. God, I'm saddened. One lady said to me this past week, church just isn't the same by Zoom. Church just isn't the same sitting at my dining room table or on my couch. Father, we need that relationship with you. Father, thank you for those that are here today. Thank you for your presence. Oh God, heal the people that are in this room. You know their needs. Meet them today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.